you and I have been at the fountain gate for several weeks and we've been studying uh, the different things that are available to us when we are obedient at the dung gate and we finally arrive the Holy Spirit lifts us into a spirit filled life at the fountain gate we know that the Gihon Spring represents God who is the source of all living water he sent Jesus Christ his son the solid rock and they, was, they cut that tunnel through the solid rock and it deposited the living water from God in the pool of Siloam and when the pool of Siloam overflowed they were able to have a king's garden and then this we're in the desert because the Judean wilderness is right there but what happened when they used the living water and it spilled over it made a beautiful king's garden which then provided sustenance for the people that lived inside of Jerusalem so that's the uh, basically what the king's garden represents we started last week talking about that Jesus said he is the true vine and we went over that last week and we said he is we are the branch so I began to uh, investigate that a little bit and so I've entitled our lesson today life as a branch and we're going to talk about what does that mean that I am a branch and how should I be living according to God's word because the theme of all of our lessons is I want to run well to finish well so that that's the focus of everything I teach is something we keep that goal in mind now here's a picture of our uh, fountain gate and you can see it expands up towards the water gate I gave you this map a couple of weeks ago and we said that there are seven blessings that we receive when we begin being filled with the Holy Spirit and uh, letting him lead and direct our lives uh, this picture shows it a little bit more clearly down in the bottom left corner you see the circle with the water in it that is the pool of Siloam and then when it overflows into the green circle we have a beautiful garden so this is how they were able to take care of the needs the physical food the sustenance for the people that lived in the city of Jerusalem so we, you and I are going to find if we allow the Holy Spirit to fill us and to control us we will have that rivers of living water flowing in us we have the victory over sin in our life we have victory over our circumstances and he just fills us and we are ushered into the spirit-filled life you and I cannot get there on our own we are there because we're obedient at the dung gate and as you surrender and you humble yourself before the Lord and you ask the Holy Spirit to control you he lifts you and then you are beginning to partake of the spirit-filled life God makes a beautiful garden does he not and we are going you can you know in the Bible Paul talks about a race right and he talks about athletics so you can think of yourself as an athlete in training James talks about a farmer who is preparing a garden and then there's another example oh Paul talks about being a soldier in the army so you can be the soldier you can be the farmer or you can be the athlete he we have all three and they basically are talking about the same thing when I get to heaven and stand before the judgment seat of Christ my life is going to be up for review so is yours and so you can think of it as I'm going to present my garden 
you know, what is my garden going to look like? And that's the focus I want you to have today. What will my garden look like when I stand before Jesus? All right? Now, we started uh, John 15 last week, and we looked at the first thing Jesus said was, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. So he's the owner, he's the husbandman, God the father. So you and I are going to dig a little bit deeper into this vineyard and see what God has for us in this lesson. We want to make it very clear, is context always important when you study the Bible? Can you go cherry pick a verse out and you can build a doctrine on it that turns out to be a false doctrine? So we always look at context, the theme, and the setting. That's what we're going to do. Again, I'm going to review this for, uh, so we know where we are. Because many of you were in Branson last week. I'm not pointing out any names. Okay. You watched online. Good for you. Okay. Okay, so we want to talk about the setting. Where are we when Jesus starts talking about this vine and bearing fruit? These are part of Jesus' last words to his disciples prior to him going to the cross. So in your mind with me, this is the week of crucifixion. He has already ridden into Jerusalem on the donkey. All right? And they are having the Passover meal. So that's where we are in this setting. And he is talking to the disciples who are in the upper room with him. And he knows that the cross is right around the corner. And so he's preparing them. He's speaking these words right after they've been partaking of the Passover meal. Right before his betrayal. Because it won't be before that night's finished. He's going to be in the Garden of Gethsemane and he will be betrayed by Judas. Then he's going to go to court most of the night, and then that's going to be followed by the crucifixion. So this is our scene, what is happening in this passage. So he's speaking to his disciples, but Judas is already missing. When he begins talking this, Judas is gone, so he's talking to the 11 disciples, because Judas is already out the door. Now, what had he been talking about in the upper room in John 14? Very familiar passage that most of you probably know by heart. He said, let not your heart be troubled. And then he tells them, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And he tells them, I am going away, but the Father is going to send you a comforter. He's going to send you a helper. And he is the one that is going to be living within you and abide you, and he will teach you. So he's been preparing them for what is coming, that he's actually going to be leaving them. The very last phrase in John 14, Jesus says to them, Arise and let us go from here. They've been in the upper room, and now he's done talking about that, and they're going to walk. And so some of the commentators, and I tend to agree, they say we should no longer call John 15 as part of the upper room discourse because he's just said, arise and let us go. And we know that he is going to be making the journey over to the Garden of Gethsemane because by chapter 17, he's in the garden praying. Y'all with me? Okay. Now, he's, what's the purpose of this passage where he's going to start talking about the vine? He's preparing them you guys have got to grow spiritually 
because have they not been with him and he's been right there with them for three years but he knows he's going away and we still have Peter who's going to deny him that night you have the sons of thunder who've been arguing who's going to get to have the biggest seat in heaven you know so he's telling them y'all have got to grow up spiritually and quit all this other stuff because I'm going to be sending you forth before he leaves the earth is he not going to give them a commission you're to be going into all the world making disciples and spreading the gospel they can't do it on their own correct they need to be filled with the Holy Spirit in order to accomplish this mission that God's going to give them so here they are and they like us are probably at all different levels of spiritual maturity but the one thing is without the Holy Spirit in them there will be not, not much growth because it's the Holy Spirit in you and this Word of God working in you those two things together and you surrendered that's what's going to grow you that's the only thing that will grow you so you and I need to remember chapter 15 is about discipleship and growing up maturing bearing fruit it is not about salvation y'all with me because this is important now let's read John 15 the first eight verses because this is our focal passage and I'm going to just as I read it tell you demonstrate a little bit about how I read sometimes okay first of all it says I am the true vine so you should stop when you're reading don't just keep reading what does he mean he's the true vine we talked about that last week that tells me are there some false ones are there some different ones okay and then you can go study that like we did last week my father is the vine dresser so who owns this vineyard God the father owns it every branch in me stop is he talking about believers yes because you're not a branch in him unless you're a believer okay every branch in me that doesn't bear fruit wait there are people in him that aren't bearing fruit oh yes go with Paul to the church at Corinth go to some of them that were taking the Lord's Supper unworthily there's all kinds of examples in the New Testament Paul is constantly telling us you need to walk worthy of the vocation that you have been called to in Ephesians 4 1 so we have people born-again people but they're not bearing fruit and then it says he takes them away now some people will jump in here and say that means they lose their salvation no because now I have to look up what does takeaway mean in the Greek and that's what we did last week and I'm going to review it briefly because your salvation is not wrapped up in you it's a finished work of Jesus Christ now obedience should follow and if we're not obedient we will not be bearing fruit and we're going to see what he does with those now every branch that's bearing some fruit hopefully hopefully that's all of us in here okay what's he going to do with us oh he's going to prune me that doesn't sound fun no but there's a purpose if you're already bearing some fruit he's going to prune you more because he wants more fruit if you look in this passage it starts out bear fruit more fruit much fruit that's the process now he says you're already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you 
abide in me and I in you. Next week's lesson, we're going to look at the two different usages of abide because it can mean two different things. Now, the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Somebody should have stamped that on my forehead years ago. I cannot bear fruit on my own. Unless you're abiding in the vine, and that's a different abide than salvation. Okay? Neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you are the branch. He who abides in me and I in him, see, he's in us, we're in him. So this is a born-again believer, bears much fruit. But without me, you do nothing. All right. If anyone does not abide in me, here we go again with people that think you can lose your salvation. He's cast out as a branch and is withered, and I'm going to show, I think it's next week, is a person's works that are going to be taken and burned, which we see at the judgment seat of Christ. Now, it says, They gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire. It shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified. You want to glorify God the Father? You bear much fruit and that shows you're his disciple because I believe this is my belief that not everyone that's born again is a disciple I think you grow into discipleship that's next week's lesson so the ultimate goal of God the father he is the true vine right and the true vine what's Jesus trying to do in each one of us He's wanting us to bear the right fruit of the desired quality that God wants. Because at the judgment seat, it says our works are going to be tried. All of our works of what sort? It's the quality. What kind of works do I have? And then he says, the divine Jesus and the Holy Spirit, they want to get rid of anything in me and anything in you that impedes the fruitfulness of the branch. So we produce more good fruit. So there's the goal. Now, fruit, think of a fruit tree. Fruit grows naturally by a living connection to its source. For it to grow, doesn't it have to have a source that's alive? Yes. So you and I have to have a vital relationship between Jesus Christ and each one of us. That makes the difference in whether I bear fruit or not. So we're, we have an abiding, and then we have an abiding so there's two different usages, and that's next week. So here's the intimate relationship. Abiding in Christ pictures an intimate relationship. It's not just this surface uh, acquaintance that we have. And if you have an intimate relationship with him, you cannot help but start bearing fruit. But you're not doing the work. Okay. Now... You notice at the top of this page, I have for you some instructions. I'm always preaching at y'all to go be a Berean. Well, last week I went home and I was a Berean on my own lesson because God would not let me rest. I mulled it over, and so I'm here to tell you that I, I, now I didn't teach it next week, last week, but I presented it that I was going to do it this week. And God says, no, that's wrong. And I said, oh, no, I have to get up and tell them I misunderstood something. 
Yes. So here I am before you because none of us, not one person has everything right. But if you pray to the Holy Spirit and you ask him to show you if you're going down a wrong trail, he will show you and he wouldn't let me rest. And I didn't want to change because I already had part of the PowerPoints done. Okay. So I want you, when you get home, you pull out Lesson 11 from last week. And I want you to look at the bottom of page 5 and cross out the line where I had John 15 where I said there is a third group of people, the unsaved. I said there were three groups and as I looked at it and I thought about it, I'm keeping the context in mind who he's talking to. He's talking about branches that are in him. There is no unsaved person in these eight verses. So you go back and you cross it out, okay? And you remember, I am growing like you are. I'm just growing like y'all. And so when the Holy Spirit says, Francine, I don't want to change this half of this lesson. Oh, but you will. You know, so uh, I'm just telling you what happened to me. And so I changed it. And remember, always, 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 this class is come grow with me. So if, if I feel like I have said something in error, then it's got to be corrected. So you just cross out that one line. I praise God that I didn't start teaching it. I just put it on a slide, and it was in your lesson. So everybody know what to do? And I'm going to ask you a question. In the first eight verses, is anybody there an unsaved person? No. So everybody's settled. Now we can go on. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick up my humble pie and keep going. Okay. Now, two kinds of people and their responses. First of all, we have in verse 2, the first part, saved believers but they're not bearing any fruit and then he's going to talk quite a bit about the saved believers who are bearing fruit so everybody's got that right i want y'all to stay with me this is a, such a good lesson now we're going to review just for a short time the saved believer but they don't have any fruit so they're just this branch with no fruit but are they a believer in christ yes and he says, every branch that's in me, but you're not bearing any fruit, he says, I'm going to take you away. And so we want to look at this because I want to refresh our mind before we go on. It is possible to function mechanically in the Christian life, right? Oh, yeah, I know all about it. If you want a class on it, I can teach it because I did that because you just, this is what a Christian does that you go to church, you're in the choir, you're doing this, you're doing that. And so we just kind of do it mechanically because that is what a Christian does. And so you do it out of this is what we do, maybe an obligation, this is what I'm supposed to do, but it's not out of the right spirit. Y'all with me? Okay, so this is a branch that's not producing any fruit. Now, it says number B on your paper What's the relationship of that kind of branch? I'm a branch in Christ, but I have no fruit. What's my relationship? I'm abiding. I have a safe, a saving relationship exists. In other words, I'm justified. 
I am covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's it. That's the first step of abiding in the branch. Now, but I have no fruit. See, so there's a first step of abiding that I'm going to call justification. And then it needs to lead to sanctification where there's a deep, intimate abiding, which is different. Now, there's no indication in that passage that the branch ever stopped abiding because there's no fruit. He doesn't say that. The branch is abiding, just no fruit. And I know I am repeating myself a lot, but I want y'all to not mistake what I'm saying. Okay. We abide in Christ because I believe in the blood sacrifice, the atoning work of Jesus Christ. And so I come to him for salvation. I accept him. I don't abide because of fruit. I'm abiding because I have that abiding faith in Jesus Christ. Fruit is not what establishes an abiding connection. Y'all get that? Because we come and we abide and we've had no chance for any fruit. Okay, so we're abiding, we're justified in him. Now, here's the outcome for these people. Let her see. He says, I'm going to take away that person. And we looked at it last way. Take away in the Greek has three different usages. He can raise them up, then he'll bear with them, and the worst outcome, he may just take their life if they don't respond. So we're going to look at this carefully. First of all, he's out in the vineyard, and he sees the little branch that has no fruit. That would have been me. And what does he say? Friends saying, let's lift you up a little bit. Let's encourage you. Maybe a Bible study. Maybe a, a fellow sister comes along and does something to inspire me, to motivate me. He does something to encourage us to lift us up. So we will start walking with him and grow in Christ. Maybe from his word. Maybe a Bible study. Maybe a ladies' seminar. Maybe a revival. And you get encouraged, right? So he lifts you up. Now, if that doesn't work, he may bear with them, and it says he will chasten and discipline them. So that's the second step of take away. And then lastly, if none of that works, they're still not responding, then he may remove the believer, physically putting them to death, although salvation is never lost if you are a believer in Jesus Christ. Okay, now I think we have that established. But even in, the, in Corinth, where they were taking uh, of the Lord's Supper unworthily, what did he do? Some of them died. Ananias and Sapphira, dead. So God can deal with people that are abiding, but they are not bearing any fruit. In fact, they may be bringing shame to the name of Jesus Christ. So if I take away an object, who has the object? I do. So if he takes away the branch that isn't bearing fruit, does he still have that branch? Yes. Okay, so that's the meaning of take away. Now, so you can be fruitless at times. Most of us have times where we're not bearing much fruit. Okay, because things come in our life, maybe we're not in the Word like we need to, a situation comes in, and boy, where's the fruit of the Spirit in you? Well i got to get back in the word. You know, I've got to get back at the dung gate and all that. So the Lord stops by and he will lift you up out of whatever sin has soiled you and you, it stopped be you bearing fruit. So do you, do you express the fruit of the Spirit 
every day, day in and day out? <laughs> if you do, I want to talk to you. You can tell me your secret. Now, then as you get back into production, you know, you've been at the dung gate, your vessel's clean, and he's got hold of you, and you're bearing the fruit of the Spirit again, he will continue until you grow even more. Is there always more ground to be taken? Yes. And wow, what a delight to know that God looks at me and he is, I'm so vital to his plan and his purpose, he will personally work on every one of us. He knows how to work on each one of us. And you say, wow, what a God we have. He'll work on every one of us where we need to be. Now we're going to look at the saved believers. Sorry, we've looked at the saved believers who aren't bearing any fruit. Oh, now let's talk about those that are saved and we're bearing some fruit. And you would think, wow, look at that person. She's bearing fruit. I bet God's done with her. <laughs> no. Okay. Let's read what the verse says. Every branch that's bearing some fruit... Oh, y'all see my pruning shears? Here they come. Why is he doing this to each of us? So you will make more fruit. More fruit. That's the purpose. And then in verse 3 he says, You are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Now this was very interesting to me because prune and clean are the same word in Greek. Prune and clean. So prune is the verb. And it says when he prunes, he is getting rid of all that filthy stuff in our life, all those dead things in our life, all the works of the flesh that need to be cut out of our life. He's pruning me, but then clean is the adjective to describe a person who's been pruned, and now they're clean. You're all pruned. Y'all get it? Okay. I read an article called Profiles in Pruning, and I took four of their points so I could see from an expert pruner. And he says, you apply your skill in four specific ways. Y'all see my pruner there? Number one, what's the purpose to go out and prune this field? To remove growth that is dead or dying. Number two, make sure the sunlight can get to all the fruit-bearing branches. Number three, we want to increase the size and increase the quality of the fruit. And number four, we want to encourage new fruit to develop on your branch. Okay, that's the four. One, four. I learned a new word, viticulture. I, I figured it was something to do with vines and how to take care of them. In the agrarian world of the Bible... Were vineyards and gardens a huge thing? Yes. And pruning was a crucial process in tending the garden and any tree that was going to bear produce. They had to know how to prune and know how to do it correctly. Pruning actually embodies a paradox of life. Right? Because if I want growth and productivity and I want it to be better and more fruit, what do I do? There's deprivation and stress. So we have to go through deprivation and stress in the vineyard in order to have growth and productivity. Now, y'all see my bush up there? 
in the upper right hand corner this is actually a plant that's supposed to have fruit on them but it was never pruned it was left to itself and if you leave it to itself a vine or fruit tree look at all my beautiful green foliage look at all my activity see that's what I used to say look at all my activity and this thing that's supposed to bear fruit it has hardly any why because it hasn't been tended it wasn't pruned it was left to itself so Jesus pictures the nature of Christian growth and here's an important part of you and me growing I'm going to come prune every branch that's out in that vineyard that's bearing some fruit because I want it to bear more fruit. So pruning is absolutely necessary if I'm going to grow, correct? Even though we don't like it. Oh, but we will like it. We're going to be thankful for it before this lesson's over. Now, far from being an image of punishment, pruning signifies God's nurturing me. God cares about my growth, and God cares about me being fruitful. He cares about all of that. He doesn't want me to wind up at the judgment seat with nothing. So he's pruning me, nurturing me, growing me to be fruitful. Remember, fruit grows naturally. It's got to be connected to a living source. Our living source is Jesus Christ. And we have the rivers of living water through the power of the Holy Spirit. And now you see my branch, it's got fruit on it. I showed you that branch a while ago, but I cut off the fruit. But now it's there because it's all connected and it's coming under submission to the uh, Holy Spirit and to Jesus Christ. So in viticulture they say it is important to prune these branches back every year. They have an annual cleaning. I've told you about my Roto-Rooter jobs that the Holy Spirit does. It's like sometimes you just need a deep cleaning in order to be clean. And he's going to come cleanse that vineyard. Now, if you look at my picture here, the vine produces certain shoots that they call little sucker shoots. Now, you see those sucker shoots in my picture? Yeah, and I think we had a tree in our yard that had tons of them. There's all these little sucker shoots coming out. Well, what happens? They grow right there by the stem of the vine, don't they? And what do they do? They're going to be sucking the life out of that vine. So we have to get rid of all those sucker shoots physically when you're in a real vineyard. Now, if they're allowed to just keep growing, they're going to dissipate the life of the vine through so many branches that the vine will be able to produce little or no fruit. It's just going to have, look at all my beautiful leaves. I, see, this display of all these beautiful leaves I have, but no fruit. So, it's important to prune away those sucker shoots so your vine can produce more fruit. Now, they grow down there where the branch and joins the stem, and I'm sure you've seen in your yard, like I see in ours, there's a tight cluster, and what gets in all that junk down there? Dirt dead insects, leaves, all kinds of stuff, and you've got to prune that to get rid of all of it. So pruning is a cleansing process that the Holy Spirit is going to put us through because all of us need to be cleansed. Now, they're going to cut away dead wood. You turn over the wood in the wood pile, and what's down there? Oh, look at all these little things crawling. 
and so that this can breed disease and insects sometimes they will even cut away living tissue of the vine living tissue so the life of the vine will not be dissipated and the quality of the crop will not be jeopardized so I want you to look at this picture in the upper right corner this is the guy that's taking care of the vine and someone said the vine dresser is never nearer the vine than when he's pruning it there he is right in there pruning it he may cut away whole bunches of grapes so the rest of the crop will be of higher quality so what is the father's work remember he's the owner of the vineyard find a branch that's beginning to bear fruit so you're beginning to bear and uh, produce the likeness of Christ in your life and now what's going to happen he's got to come cut it back trim it off get rid of the sucker shoots in my life so it will bear more fruit yeah and I think I've told y'all um, it been back I maybe 20 years ago and I'm with uh, Becky's mother Betty and and so we're talking about surrendering ourselves so the Holy Spirit can control us and uh, so I, I told her one day I said I've been practicing this at home and so I said uh, you know how you always want to have the last word some of you may not do that okay and so I remember one time I got a little irritated and that guy sitting out there and uh, <laughs> but I just felt I felt I said Lord I don't want to say anything you know would you produce the fruit of the spirit in me he's like duct tape came across my mouth and I didn't say anything and you know what happened the peace the peace that came I can't describe it and I told Betty I said I need to practice this some more you know it's more surrender and everything so the fruit of the spirit comes naturally out the love the joy the peace the patience and all self-control all of that just comes naturally out now so the father's work he's going to trim off all those unfruitful branches all those sucker shoots on me that arise out of our oh we're still dealing with the sin nature even though we're bearing fruit right yes and it produces in its characteristics which are not the fruit of the spirit so a lot of these sucker shoots on me resentment bitterness anger selfishness loving to be praised and the root of all of it is our pride our pride needs to be at the dung gate absolutely at the dung gate humble myself and leave my pride there and so a lot of times the pruning is to get rid of all the works of the flesh in us and say but god you don't understand who's what so and so did or what they said it doesn't matter you're going to be held accountable that if you're holding the bitterness the resentment the anger and you just keep going to the dung gate and god will clean it and he will also give you a spirit of peace over the whole thing now why does it take so much effort on god's part he's got to prune me constantly why does it take so much effort because we like the grape vines we have a mischievous nature and we tend to grow vigorously in every direction that's what those uh, vines do and the, so the, they say the biggest enemy of the grapes out there are the grapes themselves that's their biggest enemy 
grapes love to grow and expand their territory and i've given you my picture again this is supposed to be something bearing some fruit where do you see fruit you don't do you see a large bushy leafy thing and they're so proud of it they love to do everything but bear fruit they've got to be pruned before the fruit will come so it says they have a lot of non-fruitful wood that's got to be cut away every year all of us get our vessel gets clogged up and our vessel gets full of all this stuff and we have to let him prune it away from us so we like the grapevines we can become so dense look at all my external leaf productions <laughs> somebody told me they always remember my type a hamster I, I forgot who said that but anyway we become so look here lord look at my ministry i'm working for you my family i'm involved in athletics and amusements investments our stress our anxiety the sins of the flesh and everything all of this we get so involved in it that the son s-o-n of god cannot reach into the area where the fruit should form because all of that has got to be cleaned away so the light of Christ can shine on us. So I love the Pogo cartoon, which most of you, if you're as old as I am, know, because this was in 1971. He says, we have met the enemy, and it is ourselves. We are our own worst enemy. Yes, so we will always favor. See this bush? I even I had to crop it because it was so huge. They will favor expansion. I just want to show you all my works, all my leafy stuff over you putting more grapes on me and bearing fruit. Now, from a distance, is God's going to review our garden. Remember where we're going with this lesson? God's going to come by and review our garden. From a distance, my life can look like an incredibly green and healthy branches full of luxurious growth, all kinds of impressive achievements. But to the Lord who stands up close, I have an underwhelming harvest because there's hardly any fruit. Is God using the sharp knife of circumstances to cut out the sucker shoots of an old habit or an attitude in your life? Is he confronting you with a word of truth that will correct and cleanse you is he are you beginning to see it are you beginning to feel it and give heed to it boy are you are you paying attention and are you willing to submit to whatever he brings to your mind that you need to let him prune away from you this is the work of god the father so that you will bear more fruit that you'll be like jesus in your reactions in your home your shop, your recreation, wherever you are with people, that in all instances, it's the fruit of the Spirit that oozes out of you. And you can't make it happen. You cannot. If it's coming out of you, it is because you're allowing the Holy Spirit to do it. And when all that other stuff comes out of you, he's not controlling you very well. Because why? because you're not letting him clean you and you're not staying at the dung gate. You know how hard this is for me to teach to my friends? It is hard. 
And he says, now you are clean through the word which I've spoken to you. God prunes us through this word. He's not going to be able to get through to you much if you aren't in it. This is vital. I cannot stress enough how much you need to be in the word. This word, put it over your head. This word cleanses me. It's got to be in me. But he says, you are washed by the water of the cleansing of the word. Get in it and say, wash me. You know, get a little animated in your life. You know, be a little more practical things like I do. Did y'all know I have a changing chair? That's where I get in here. Wash me and change me. Wash me, change me. Most of you probably have a chair or a place where you read and do your devotionals, get in the Word. Think of it as your changing chair. God's going to change me. He's going to wash me. Now, this involves removal of unhealthy growth in our lives to allow fruitful growth because it's difficult to cut some of the things out of our lives. There are things we don't want to give up, and we don't want it cut out. You don't fix repetitive sin by promising God, I'm just going to be better, and I'm going to try harder. And I've told y'all in my testimony, I went to two different Baptist preachers because I was so distressed over, I want to please God, and I'm trying so hard, but I'm still dealing with envy or jealousy or critical spirit or all of those things. And my, the advice to me, Francine, you just need to try harder. No, you can't. You can try as hard as you want, and you cannot do it. It will not come. So what's the cure? getting in God's word because there's power in that word and you get in this word and let it transform your mind that's what he says because this word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword this is what will change you and this is what will develop the fruit of the spirit in you and you just ask him some people have asked me I don't understand how to do it open the word maybe go to something that's fairly easier to read like the book of John starting in chapter 1 something like that and say God I want you to cleanse me I want to you to change me teach me transform me by the renewing of my mind don't make it real difficult start simple if you need to Paul says I beseech you I urge you therefore brethren why this is a phrase a lot of us may miss because of the mercy of God on your life it's his mercy. He has saved us. He forgives us our iniquities. He has redeemed my life from destruction, Psalm 103 says. So why am I going to turn and give myself to him? Because of the mercy that he has bestowed on me. That you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. It's your reasonable service. And don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And when you are, what happens? you become a testimony to what the word of God can do and it says you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God there's someone have you seen them it's like they're changing they're growing you can see Christ in them that's exactly what he's wanting to do but he does it through the power of his word and you yielded to the Holy Spirit so why does he prune us we have a few scriptures here he's going to prune me because he wants the fruit of the spirit in me and I don't care how hard you try you can grunt and you cannot produce the fruit of the spirit in yourself you can't 
In 2 Timothy, I'm pruning people for proper and godly behavior, according to Hebrews 4. And also, I'm pruning you so you will make more disciples. And a disciple is, we're going to have that definition shortly. So spiritual fruit, the key to spiritual fruit being produced in me, it's an outworking of the life and energy of the Lord Jesus Christ in me. Don't forget, he's in you. He is in you. And when you surrender to him, the Holy Spirit will make that life flow out of you. Flow out of you. Now, pruning reminds me, you cannot rest on your past successes. You know what? I had a great pruning, and God did a great work 10 years ago or whatever it was, 6 or 7 now, with Laura. And I, the rest of my life, I am, there's where I am. No, you cannot rest on your past successes. That's exactly what he was telling the church of Sardis. They said, oh, we had a great reputation. We used to do this. We used to be this. Forget it. What are you now? Okay. You are to be thankful for his care. He cares so much about you. He doesn't want to leave you where you are. If you're a carnal Christian, he does not want to leave you there. He will be after you to get you to grow and change. That's his desire. Give, you, give thanks to the Father. This is from Colossians 1.10, I think. And I told you, if you go to Colossians 1, starting about verse 7 or 8, and go through about 10 verses there, that is a prayer you need to pray for yourself almost every day. And here's part of it. I'm going to give thanks to the Father. He is the one that will qualify me to be a partaker of the inheritance. Now, I can work as hard as I want, but when he's there ready to give out the inheritance, if, he, if I've done all the work, zip. It says, you will be saved so as by fire. But he's the one, he works in me, and I surrender to him, and he's pruning me, and he's changing me, and he's the one that does the work to qualify me. Francine, here's your inheritance. But I say, but you did all the work, but I'm rewarding you for your obedience. Pruning reminds me to examine my faithfulness. Am I truly abiding in Christ? Is there something in my life that God needs to prune now? And I told you I've done this many times. Prune me now. Cut away from me everything that's not like Jesus. That's a simple prayer you can remember. And he'll answer it. Cut away from me everything that's not like Jesus. And you say, why would I want him to keep pruning me? Why? Because pruning is future-oriented. It involves, I'm going to cut away from you everything that's not like Jesus now because it will be worth it all when we see him. And the gains that we have, he has waiting for us an inheritance that we cannot even imagine. And all fruitful Christians will be rewarded for your faithful service and for bearing fruit. And you will be so glad then for whatever he's allowing you to go through now. In 1 Corinthians 3.13, we're at the judgment seat. And he says, every man's work is going to be made manifest. The day's going to declare it because it's going to be re revealed by fire. See, that's where the fire's coming in. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. That's a big word. Put a box around it, a star. It's not how much. It's the sort, the quality of the work. 
Now, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. We've talked about that. These are the ones I believe their works are going to be burned up. What does it mean? The purpose I had for you, you have defiled it because you weren't bearing fruit. What did he want from his disciples? Bear fruit, more fruit, much fruit. And they're not bearing any. So they have defiled the purpose. Now, the true vine, Jesus, right? He's the true vine. He has tender care for each one of us. The branch, we do not perform the care at all. The branch, I just yield myself. Picture yourself at the dung gate, yielded, and all I do is receive. I yield, and then I receive. And it happens. Now, the branch only needs to yield and receive. This truth leads to a blessed rest of faith, and that's the true secret of growing and finding your strength. I'm yielding to you. I've confessed the best I know how. I'm here at the dung gate, and I receive. By faith, I believe you filled me with the Holy Spirit because you said you would, and then I just receive. Now, the branch of the person that expects to be fruitful, oh, I want to have a lot of fruit. Well, you've got to submit to pruning. It may bring sorrow. It may bring heartache. It may bring heartbreak. You've got to be willing for whatever he brings into your life. And you say, look, you see the vine in the upper right corner? Y'all see the vine up there in the upper right corner? It doesn't look very good, does it? Pruning seems to destroy the vine. But the vine dresser is making his cuts on you and me with a sharp knife because he sees the future. He sees our future. He knows the final outcome. It's going to bring a greater harvest. And so he, he knows what our future is. And then in 1 Corinthians 3.14, he says, If your work abides, that means it's going to come out of the fire, gold, silver, and precious stones that you've built you get a reward remember you keep focused keep your eye on the prize keep your eye on the goal now there are blessings you and I will never have unless we're ready to pay the price of pruning and pain there's no way to reach them except by suffering all fruitful Christians are going to be rewarded for faithful service and for bearing fruit this should encourage us to not just settle for being saved, but to do what? Yield, humble myself before him to bear fruit and earn rewards because that's what he's telling them in John chapter 15. Now, the greatest judgment, just think about this. I'm going to slow down. The greatest judgment God could bring to you and me as a believer would be to let me alone and let me have my own way. Because he loves you, he's going to prune you. And this will encourage you to bear more fruit. For whose glory? His. His glory. In verses 4, 5, 7, and 8, we find a place of fruitfulness. He says, now remain in me and I in you. The branch can't bear fruit by itself unless it will remain in the vine. Neither can you unless you remain in me. I'm the vine, you're the branch. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. You know, we need that on our refrigerator, on the mirror where you're getting ready. And remember, 
no matter what you're going out to do, if you're doing it without him, it counts for nothing. And then he goes on, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you will and it shall be done to you. Now listen to verse 8. Herein is how you can glorify and bring glory to God the Father, that you bear much fruit and that shows you're my disciple. Because I'm bearing much fruit. See, there was fruit, more fruit, and now much so you and I are going to have an interview with a branch. We're going to talk to a branch and ask it some questions. Life as a branch. Now, Ezekiel 15 is, gives us a little insight here. He says, you branches are weak and useless. He says, branches are only good for two things, for bearing or burning. But don't ever build on a branch. Never build on the branch because Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians what is our only foundation Jesus Christ you can lay no other foundation and build on it if you're born again we all have the foundation of Jesus Christ it will not burn in the fire praise God for that our foundation is secure now what are we going to build on the foundation that's where we come in he says and there's choices are you going to build gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, and stubble? But we all have the same foundation, and it's our choices that will determine what we build on it. So number one, we're going to talk to the vine, and we're going to talk about characteristics of the branch life. Number one, you've got to cultivate absolute dependence on God. So here's the branch. And little branch, you have nothing. And he tells you, I depend on the vine for everything. See, that's how you and I have to be. We're the branch, right? Now, if I begin to do the work, I'm not depending on the vine, right? So we, we got that established. So the work separates me from him when I'm not humble and yielded. I get so busy I don't have time for the relationship. I'm not in my changing chair, and I'm not being washed, right? So I'm out here working like crazy, but without being in the being changed first and having that relationship with Jesus Christ. And the branch says, if I totally depend on God, he promised me promises me you can live a spirit-filled life and you can have victory over sin in your life, victory over your circumstances and you're yes, I want this. Oh, but pruning is going to happen. You know, and that just some people are like, you know, they're not ready for that. But they tell me, the vine does all the work. You're kidding. And then I get fruit on my branch? Yeah, the vine does all the work. And you just enjoy it. So here's some pictures I found. Here is the vine's work. First of all, it sends its root into the soil. And then what does it do next? It goes and it hunts underground for nourishment. We're talking about a real vine here. And then it will drink in the moisture that it finds underneath. And then the roots turn the moisture and fertilizer into the special sap which makes the fruit that is born. And then lastly, the branch, I'm just receiving the sap from the vine. So it's like the sap is the Holy Spirit. And so I'm just receiving that, and the sap turns into fruit, and I'm just living the Spirit-filled life, and He's doing all the work, and I'm bearing fruit. 
and there's no responsibility except for me to just receive the sap receive the nourishment from the root and the stem sounds pretty good right now i want every eye up here i want you to see this is the this is from one vine this is in hampton court london this is the largest vine in the world and it started as one little vine and look how it's grown it was planted in 1769 it averages about 600 pounds of grapes every harvest and in 2001 it had 845 pounds of grapes now what happened the Thames River flowed nearby this little vine and it stretched its root hundreds of yards underground to reach the riverside in the rich slime of the riverbed it found nourishment and it found some moisture the roots drew up the sap all that distance up and into the vine who did the work the vine the branches just depended on the vine and received what the vine gave it and look at the fruit that was born it's amazing so when I have to teach or we go visit the sick or the responsibility of the work is it on Christ yes whatever I do the responsibility is on Jesus Christ I would be a fool to be prepared and come teach if I was not relying on the Holy Spirit and not been humbled before him every morning asking him to lead me and teach me show me where I'm right show me where I'm wrong and all of that I don't get up here without making sure that I am where I need to be with Christ and that's what you need to pray for me all the time so the responsibility of the work is on Jesus Christ he fulfills the trust of my dependence I'm depending on you I am weak I cannot do this I feel inadequate I'm, I'm just a student like y'all are I'm just a student growing and let me tell you it is it's almost frightening to be a teacher it is frightening but the power of the Holy Spirit to work in me and through me is what I depend on and without that I can't do this so if I try to be something then that means God is nothing but if I am something if I am something then God is not everything okay and if I become nothing to him I'm inadequate I can't do this then he becomes my all and the fullness of Jesus Christ can be fully revealed in us so little branch we want to ask you what is your secret the secret he says absolute dependence on God is the secret of all power in my life absolute dependence for everything ladies everything in your life now number two y'all know I love this picture and I try to pull it up once in a while number two the branch says a characteristic of a branch life is that you learn to rest in God it's a deep rest just picture yourself you're the branch sitting right there in his lap and the branch says since I've been in the vine all I've done is just rest in the vine that's all I do just rest in the vine now in the springtime guess what happened the vine began to pour sap into me and look there's a bud in a leaf on my branch 
yeah and then here comes the summertime heat oppressive lack of water but i didn't have any care in the terrible heat because i trusted the vine how about a terrible circumstance that comes into your life something you feel like you're in the fire i had no care i just trust the vine to bring moisture to keep me fresh and boy in the time of harvest i have no cares because when the owner comes to pluck the grapes i'm not fretting why because if there's anything in the grapes that's not good, the owner never blamed the branch. Never does the owner blame the branch. What's your secret? A true branch of Christ learns to rest in him and let him bear the responsibility for the fruit production in my life. Now that's awesome, ladies. Now, oh, I'll become lazy and slothful, won't I? No, the little branch says no, because the closer where am I, I'm in my changing chair getting washed. I'm at the dung gate. The closer your relationship with Jesus Christ, the more of his spirit, of zeal and passion in you to do what he's called you to do, and love will be made manifest in you. If you're in any kind of a ministry and you're under the power of the Holy Spirit, you should have a zeal and a passion for that ministry. And you may get tired physically, but you don't get weary of the work. Now, he will impart his love in your heart with which you can love people. Now, Christ can give you, remember we're at the fountain gate. He gives you a fountain of love. It's his love that's shed abroad in our heart. So you cannot help but loving wretched, most ungrateful, and the people that weary you. None of you do that to me and I'm being honest okay and then number three the branch says much fruitfulness unless I'm abiding in Jesus Christ and filled with the Holy Spirit I will never bear much fruit there's a great deal of preaching there's a great deal of teaching people out visiting other people and there's a great deal of earnest effort but many times there's not much manifestation of the power of God in all that activity and what's, list, what's lacking? That abiding relationship with Jesus Christ being controlled by the Holy Spirit. That's what you need to pray for in your life. Now, here's a warning to all the branches. Don't confuse work and fruit. Don't confuse them. Because there's a great deal of work for Christ that is not his fruit. Now, I go back to Colossians 1.10. Here is that prayer that I pray a lot for myself. Paul says, I'm praying that you will walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. Catch this next phrase. That you will be fruitful in every good work. That's your prayer. Everything you're out doing, that I'll be fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So I've made a little chart here. Fruit and works. Do you see in that verse, fruit and works are different? You're fruitful in the work. Works is what I do. Fruit is who I am. <coughs> you know, a lot of times, God made it clear to me, I'm not interested in everything you're doing. I'm more interested in who you are becoming. And then after you become then you go and do 
Work is my conduct. Fruit is my character. So we saw in our verses here, we have fruit, then he wants more fruit, then he wants much fruit. So I ask all of us in our life, is there some Christ in me? Is there more Christ? Or is there much? If the branch could speak, they would confess this pruning process hurts. But they would also rejoice there's going to be more and better fruit on my branch. So fruit bearing is the very life, power, spirit, and love within the heart of Jesus Christ. So here's a prayer for you that I put in your paper. Lord Jesus, I want nothing less than the sap that flows through you and nothing less than the spirit of your divine life. Oh God, let your spirit flow through me in all of the work that I do for you. So the Holy Spirit controlled the life of the branch is a life of much fruit as long as you're under the control of the Holy Spirit and yielded to him. I yield and he does the flowing. I yield, he does the bearing. Remember that little phrase? So number four, we have close communion. We need close communion with Jesus Christ. It's absolute necessity for our daily life. So I want you to look at my picture here. What is hindering you from a fruitful Christian life? Do you see there's a big rock that uh, is coming to the finish line? And all of us are closer to the finish line than we were yesterday. And we never know when our finish line is coming. What's hindering me from having a fruitful Christian life? And watch the upper right corner. My prayer life. Being yielded to him in my prayer life that can hinder you from having a fruitful life. Time. I must be willing to sacrifice time for the relationship. Ladies, it takes time. It takes quite a bit of time for me. I can't do it in 15 or 30 minutes and then go about my day. It takes time. It is a sacrifice of time. I need to give him time to work in me and keep up the connection between me and him. Fruit bearing is impossible if I don't have that abiding relationship. But if I have an abiding, deep, intimate relationship with him and I'm in the word, fruit is inevitable. It will come naturally. My responsibility is to draw close to Jesus Christ and he will produce the fruit and I can stop all my striving. Wow, amen. I can stop all that stuff that I used to do and I'm no longer that type A hamster on the wheel Tozer says it's our communion with Christ through the spirit that makes possible the bearing of fruit the abiding relationship is natural to the branch and the vine but in our life it has to be cultivated you're not going to have that relationship automatically well I'm born again and now I'm going to have that good relationship with Jesus it's got to be cultivated. Abiding in Christ demands worship of him, meditation on God's word, prayer, sacrifice, and service. But it is the most joyful experience of your life. Number five, the branch says 
you've got to have absolute surrender that's what I call being at the dung gate and so you ask the little branch uh, have you anything to do except bear grapes and he says no that's all I do I'm just bearing the fruit and what's your relationship to the vine I am utterly given up to the vine totally given up to the vine is this spirit-filled life truly possible for me? I have people that ask me that. Does God promise it? Yes. He says, I've come that you can have life and that you can have it more abundantly. It's possible for everyone who is willing to do what he asks us to do. It says in Colossians 2.9, For in him Jesus dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Can you imagine that? And you are complete in him, who's the head of all principality and all power. Tozer says, whoever has Christ's life in any measure can have it in its fullness. When we have the Holy Spirit, I have everything I need to be all that God desires me to be. He says in John 15, 8, this is how you glorify the Father, that you will sh uh, bear much fruit, and that will show that you are my disciple. So we're going to go to Matthew. What does it mean to be a disciple? Because I don't believe every born-again person is a disciple. I think it's a choice that we make. He says, Jesus said to the disciples, If anyone really wants to come after me, He's going to deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Take up your cross. In Jesus' day when this was written, when you took up your cross, it was going to lead to your death. Death by crucifixion. This is self-abasement for you and me. It's self-sacrifice, absolute surrender to God that I'm willing for my old man to be crucified. Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I'm living but it's the life of Jesus that is actually living in me. In Matthew 16, 27, after he says this a few verses later, the Son of Man is going to come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and he's going to reward every man according to his works. Ladies, keep your eye on the goal. Keep your eye on the prize. Now, I'd like for you to not read the next little bit here and just listen. I want you to just open, maybe you can close your eyes if you want, or think about God coming to review your garden. We're going to listen to the vine dresser, that's God, and watch him. Let's see what he's doing as he reviews our gardens. Walk down the rows of vines where he takes listless, sometimes little empty branches but he will bring them back to full spiritual vigor. Follow his eyes. He's examining every little branch, and he comes to you and me. We're the branch, right? So he's come to you, and he says, Little branch, where are you headed? Little branch, how are you doing? Little branch, what needs to be done in your life to improve fruit-bearing? 
trace God's hands, he's skillfully, he's lovingly going to lift up branches that have begun to grow along the ground because they're far from the light of his presence. Watch Jesus as he inspects all the leaves down there that are caked with the soil of earth and he begins clipping and he begins cutting and he disposes of everything that's been paralyzed. He's going to cleanse what is salvageable. He weaves back up again into fruitfulness that restored in that pruned branch. He does the work to restore us. He cares about us, and he wants us to end well. Praise God. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you.